The Gospel according to St. Mark. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descended like a dove upon him. And a voice came from the heavens, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove Jesus out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tested by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the dominion of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Sorry, I forgot that part. <laughs> That's the most important part. Grace and peace be with you from our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I am so glad that we are all here today together for this worship on this, the first Sunday in Lent. But as someone who spent almost all of my life in Alabama, I am very aware that it's possible that not everyone in this room is completely sure that they know what is meant by the word Lent. I know this because as a Lutheran kid growing up in Alabama, it seemed that I always ended up having to try to explain Lent to at least some of my friends. That's because in Alabama, and most of, most of the South in general, the number of churches that do not follow the liturgical calendar far outweighs the number of churches that do. Therefore, a lot of my friends, and I, I would even say most of my friends, were not familiar with the concept of Lent, even if they did go to church. So when Lent came up, they would often want me to explain it to them. And this wasn't easy because I was a kid and definitely not an expert in Lent. But I think I managed to do an okay job. To be fair, most of them had at least heard of Lent. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been asking me about it. Some of them knew that it had something to do with Mardi Gras. <laughs> A few of them even knew that you were supposed to give up something for Lent. And these, the most knowledgeable of my friends, were pretty much on par with me when it came to knowledge of the Lenten season. The only additional information I could give them was that the color purple was very important. I, I knew this because my mom was on Ultra Guild. And also, if you really wanted to know anything more about Lent, you should probably go ask one of our Roman Catholic friends, because they were much more serious about Lent than Lutherans were. <laughs> but this experience gave me the awareness that depending upon which faith tradition you were raised in, the concept of Lent might not be something that's familiar to you. So I thought it would be good to talk a little bit about Lent, what it is, and how it relates to our readings from today. In its most basic form, Lent is the season on the church calendar, 
and it comes right before Easter. Its purpose is to help us prepare to celebrate for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is meant to be a time for spiritual growth through self-examination, reflection, and repentance. It is famously associated with the giving up of a certain favorite food or event, activity, or luxury. But this is actually completely optional in the Lutheran tradition. You do not have to give up anything at all for Lent. The color of Lent is purple, which means you see it all over the place. And the reason for this is that purple has long been associated with royalty. In in this case, it represents Christ's reign from the cross. Lent lasts for 40 days, not counting Sundays. So if you start on Easter and count backwards 40 days, skipping over all of the Sundays, you will land on Ash Wednesday, which is the first day of Lent. The reason that Lent is 40 days long is that it commemorates the 40 days and nights that Jesus spent in the wilderness praying, fasting, and being tempted by Satan. It's also symbolic of the 40 days and nights that the prophet Moses spent praying and fasting at Mount Sinai before receiving the Ten Commandments, and the 40 days and nights that the prophet Elijah spent praying and fasting before traveling to Mount Horeb. Because the season of Lent is so closely associated with the story of the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, this story is always the gospel lesson for the first Sunday in Lent. And that brings us to today's readings. For those of us who are familiar with the story of the temptation of Jesus, it might feel like there was something missing from the gospel reading today. And that's because we are thinking of the story that we get in the Gospel of Matthew and Luke. In Matthew and Luke, we get to hear all of the details about Satan tempting Jesus. We hear the wonderful dialogue where Satan challenges Jesus to turn stones into loaves of bread so that he can eat them and satisfy his hunger. To this, Jesus replies that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Next, we hear Satan tempt Jesus to throw himself down from the pinnacle of the temple, claiming that the angels will rescue him and prevent him from being hurt. Jesus responds that one should not put your God to the test. Finally, we hear Satan tempt Jesus by offering him dominion over all the kingdoms of the world if he would just bow down and worship him. Jesus rebukes Satan by replying that one should worship the Lord your God and serve only him. But we don't get any of that in the version from Mark. In Mark, we get just two verses that state that the Spirit immediately drove Jesus out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tested by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. There is a reason that the book of Mark is the shortest of all four Gospels, and this is it. Mark is known for his brevity. In fact, pastors have been complaining about it for quite some time. 
does make it a little bit more challenging to write a sermon when you don't get to talk about all the juicy details. But there are a few advantages to this brevity. For instance, because the story that we get in Mark is so brief, we get a few bonus stories thrown in. We hear about the beginning of Jesus' ministry in Galilee, and at the very beginning of the reading, we hear the story of Jesus' baptism, where the heavens are torn apart, the Spirit descends like a dove onto Jesus, and God says to him, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. In fact, this is not the only place where baptism is referenced in the readings from today. In the second reading, from 1 Peter, we hear that baptism saves us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God. This reading also tells us that baptism is prefigured in the story of the flood in which Noah and his family were saved through water. And that, and that points us back to the first reading from today, where we hear Noah where we, where we hear about Noah and the covenant that God makes with him after the flood, and also about the rainbow that he places in the sky as a reminder of that promise. In fact, the symbolism of the story of Noah and the flood is so tied to baptism that we reference it every time we perform one, and every time we recite the thanksgiving for baptism at the beginning of the worship service. We say the words, through the waters of the flood, you delivered Noah and his family. Through the sea, you led your people, Israel, from slavery into freedom. At the river, your son was baptized by John and anointed with the Holy Spirit. By water, and your word, you claimed us as daughters and sons, making us heirs of your promise and servants of all. All these references to baptism on the first Sunday in Lent may sound a bit out of place to us now, given our current understanding of Lent. But to members of the early church, it would have made perfect sense. This is because the history of Lent is actually closely tied to baptism. In the ancient church, baptisms were traditionally held on Easter, and Lent was originally the period of preparation that baptismal candidates went through before their baptisms on Easter. Gradually, this period was expanded to 40 days, and participation was enlarged to include the whole congregation instead of just the baptismal candidates. And this slowly turned into the Lenten season that we have today. Recently, the ancient understanding of Lent is both a time for baptismal preparation and baptismal renewal is being rediscovered in Lutheran rites and practices and is experiencing kind of a renewal. In fact, I learned about the relationship between baptism and Lent in a class that I took last semester at ULS on the history of church liturgy and liturgical practices. We spent a good bit of time learning about the sacrament of baptism, about what it means and about how it is done. During our discussions, the professor encouraged us to become more connected to our own baptisms and to celebrate them more actively in our lives. 
He had each of us tell the story of our baptism. And for those of us in the class who did not know the story, he challenged us to find out more about it. I was one of the ones in the class who was a little bit in the dark about the details of my baptism. So there wasn't a whole lot that I could say. What I did know was that I knew that I had been baptized. I was very young when it happened, but I have seen pictures of it. My parents um, have always told me that I was baptized, but the details about it had become lost to the mists of time. My father was in the Air Force when I was born, so our family moved around a lot. My parents didn't always keep up with which churches they attended where. They had long ago misplaced the baptismal certificate, and with it, the date and name of the church where, I, where it had taken place had become lost as well. I did, however, know approximately when it happened and the city in which it occurred. So, with a little bit of internet sleuthing and a few phone calls, I was able to discover that I was baptized on December 19, 1976, at Luther Memorial Lutheran Church in Blacksburg, Virginia. I was one month and 15 days old, and my godparents are my Uncle Richard and my Aunt Joe. I was glad that I took the time to find this out, and this past December 19th, for the first time, I held my own little baptismal day celebration. It was nothing big or fancy, or even public, <laughs> but it was for me, and it meant a lot to me. So my thought for all of us here today is that this year, for Lent, instead of giving up chocolate or donuts, maybe we can make remembering our baptism, baptisms a part of our Lenten preparations for the celebration of Easter. Now, I am fully aware that asking a room full of Lutherans a denomination that is well known for performing infant baptisms, to remember your baptisms is a little bit ironic. But the trick is, is that every time we participate in a baptism, whether it is the baptism of our own child, or the baptism of a God child, or the baptism of anyone in the congregation, we remember and re-experience those gifts that are given to us through baptism, relationship with God, the presence of Christ, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We are promised forgiveness, new birth, resurrection, and eternal life. Every baptism becomes a part of our own baptism story because it is through baptism that we are brought into the family of the church the church that is the body of Christ on earth. So just as God looked down upon Jesus at his baptism and declared him to be God's son, the beloved, let us too remember that through our baptisms we are claimed as God's and claimed as God's beloved. Amen.